Friday, January 18th, 2019. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mile High City here in Denver, Colorado, and we get together every single weekday. We talk sports with a dose of common sense, and we are happy to have you here with us today. Happy Friday to you. We have made it through another work week, and that is always a good thing. And you know, today is another historic day in the world of sports because it was on this day, January 18th, back in 1963, that a much younger Al Davis became the head coach and general manager of the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, today was the day. And yes, you know, we think back to Al Davis now, and we remember a guy that had kind of gone off the deep end. He kind of lost his mind. The game had passed Al by by the end. You know, we think of him drafting guys like Jesse Hester instead of Jerry Rice because he thought speed was the only way to go when you were drafting someone. We think of him hiring Lane Kiffin, who at the time had no business being an NFL coach. I mean, even now, I don't think Lane Kiffin has any business being a head coach in the NFL. We think of Al Davis suing the NFL. We think of some of the crazy things that he did later in his career. And I know that's the most recent thing, but we do also have to look back at the years in the NFL when Al Davis, hey, say what you want. He was outsmarting everyone else in the NFL. He was taking guys on his team that other teams had tossed aside in the trash can and he revived their careers And they had tons of success in Oakland with the Raiders. You think back to players like George Blanda and the success that he had. Hey, he's washed up. He's too old. He can't do anything. Blanda came to Oakland, still played a number of good years. You think of someone like Jim Plunkett, who was with the Patriots, never did anything. He's a bust. He can't play. Doesn't have all the qualities that you would need in a quarterback. Hey, he went out to Oakland. He won two Super Bowls. You think of someone like Mike Haynes, who had been discarded again by the Patriots and went out to the Raiders and teamed up with Lester Hayes to become maybe the nastiest cornerback duo in the history of the league. Al Davis hired minority coaches. He drove the NFL-AFL merger that gave us the league that we have today. Yes, I know he ended up going crazy, kind of lost it at the end. And let's just go ahead and say it. I don't think he made that kid of his mark hold the flashlight for him nearly enough while he was working on the car. So we ended up with, you know, that weirdo. But you cannot deny Al Davis's signature on the NFL even still today. Hey, if you'd like to contact us and let us know your favorite Al Davis memory. And for me, it might be that chain that he wore on his, you know, lady glasses so he didn't lose them when he was playing Canasta you know, with the other ladies at the uh, old folks home or whatever. But maybe you have a different memory. We would love to hear from you. Hit us up on email, dailydosesports at gmail.com or go find us over on Facebook or Twitter. Both of those handles are at dailydosesports. Doesn't have to be Al Davis related. Maybe you've got a suggestion. Maybe you've got a comment. We will always take the time to get back to you and we may end up using it here on the show. So feel free to reach out. Also, be sure you stop by tpublic.com where you can find the latest Daily Dose gear. Just search Daily Dose. Then scroll down until you see our logo, and there you can find a number of Daily Dose items from t-shirts to hoodies to stickers and notebooks. Be sure you stop by tpublic.com and pick up some of that Daily Dose gear. I've heard from a number of people that have picked up items 
that have ordered items and they are very happy with them. So make sure that you stop by tpublic.com and check out some of the things that we have over there. Today on the show, we do have a couple of breaking news stories that I do want to cover. But then we will be previewing the weekend in sports and letting you know what might be out there for you to keep an eye on this weekend. There are some very big events. You are going to want to make sure that you are near a watching device so that you can keep an eye on some of those things going. And then, of course, we will be getting to our Daily Dose Top 5, a staple of the show. Since the show first began way back in, what was that, 2013, I think, something like that. You never know which way the Daily Dose Top 5 is going to go, but you always have to make sure that you tune in and find out. Not a ton of huge breaking news stories to cover today. The New York Yankees did sign relief pitcher Adam Ottavino, who spent last season with the Colorado Rockies. But I mean, I don't know if that's really newsworthy. Year after year, we just see in Major League Baseball, the rich get richer, the poor get poor. It is rare that you see a small market team able to really go out and do much of anything in the offseason. Meanwhile, you've got the Yankees and you've got the Red Sox and you've got the Dodgers and they're just hogging up all the free agents and everyone else just sits around and goes, boy, I sure wish I was them. That must be fun. So just another day in Major League Baseball. But I did see one NBA story that actually caught my eye I want to talk about briefly. It looks like NBA referees are going to be answering questions about calls in real time over Twitter in a selection of games for the rest of the season, starting with two games next week. During Monday's Golden State Warriors versus Los Angeles Lakers game on TNT and Wednesday's San Antonio Spurs versus Philadelphia 76ers game on ESPN, fans can tweet at official NBA refs or they can use the hashtag hashtag ref watch party and they will get responses from officials who are watching the game live. Now, members of the National Basketball Referees Association first tried out this concept last season during a finals game, and the feedback on the experiment was very positive as refs were active in back-and-forth conversations, addressing controversial whistles, and conceding when there was an incorrect call that was made. Now, that's a nice little thing for the fans, don't you think? I mean, it's like a real inside look at the job to sometimes show fans that maybe have no experience on that side of it, what it is actually like when you're refing games. Because I know as fans, we get all emotional, we get all crazy. And a number of times, we don't really look at what the referee is looking at. We just look at the referees and go, oh, come on, that's a crazy call. What are you doing there? So, I mean, this is kind of a nice little inside look at the actual job of an NBA official. But wait a second. You don't think this could be a coincidence, do you? I mean... We all know NBA Commissioner Adam Silver is in favor of getting his league more involved with sports gambling, right? He's even come out this last week and talked about it. We want to be on board with sports gambling. We are looking at getting sports gambling more instituted into this whole NBA experience. We want that to be part of the experience. Adam Silver has gone on record. He has said those things. He's been very upfront about it. Of course, the problem for most people with betting the NBA, is that the officiating is so inconsistent. It is absolutely horrendous. Hey, I wouldn't bet my worst enemy's paychecks on those NBA games. That is as flaky a proposition as you're going to get because we know how much control NBA officials have. And we also know there are a number of inconsistencies with the way they call games. From the star treatment, from the home crowd treatment, we can see... There's a number of times in NBA games you're going, 
what are you calling right now? Why aren't you calling it on that guy? Oh, he's a star. Why are you calling it on that guy? Oh, he's not a star. Why is the home team getting every call? Oh yeah, that's why. Because we know that's how the NBA works. We've seen that for years. And now, just at this time, we have a promotion from the National Basketball Association themselves that is trying to show us just how proper and virtuous their officials are. Hey, look how that worked out. That's just a coincidence, right? Golly, guys, we just wanted to show you how swell everything is going over here with our fine young officials. You have no reason to doubt anything they do. I'll tell you what. Gee whiz, we just do a fine, honest job. That's all we do over here at the National Basketball Association. Yeah, I'm sure this is all just a wacky coincidence that they're coming out with this right now, isn't it? Of course it is. Far be it from the NBA to do anything maybe a little sneaky or underhanded. Hey, coming back, we are going to be previewing the weekend in sports. The NFL is down to championship week, and we just might have a college basketball championship preview, well, sort of, that we can watch this weekend too. Okay, so let's shift over to our weekend sports preview. We do try to do this every single Friday. We take a look at some of the upcoming events for the weekend so that you can kind of plan your calendar accordingly. You don't want to be stuck at something and forget that the big game was on. All your friends are texting you. Did you see that play? Did you see that comeback? Are you watching this? Uh, no, I sort of forgot it was even on. Well, we try to give you that heads up on Fridays. That way you can kind of set some time aside and say, hey, these are the games I've got to make sure that I watch. We help you plan those games. We try to pick the best games that are out there for you to watch. And then we even try to make a pick, let you know which way we think the games are going to go. Hey, last week on the show, if not for the Philadelphia Eagles throwing that interception to the New Orleans Saints, I think the Eagles might have ended up winning that game. We would have been perfect on the weekend. We went 8-1 and one last week. Let's see how we do this week. Of course, all times given our mountain time zone. So adjust your schedules accordingly. Starting off tonight at 6.30 p.m., we have a big East matchup that might be worth catching as you get home from work. Or I don't know, maybe you stop for happy hour on the way home from work. But it has been a struggle for the defending national champion Villanova Wildcats this season as Jay Wright's squad has had to replace a number of talented players who left for the NBA. They've had a couple of really bad losses early, but they are still in contention for the Big East Conference. One of the teams they are going to have to beat, they're going to have to take care of business against, is Travis Steele's Xavier Musketeers. Now, Xavier is completely rebuilding after head coach Chris Mack left for Louisville. Villanova, struggling a little bit, but getting better. Xavier has had to rebuild, but they are winning games. I just don't know if they can win at this level, because Nova might just be a little bit too much for them. But this should be a very fun, very physical game in Philadelphia tonight. I will take Villanova to start off the weekend tonight at 6.30. One other game tonight that might be worth tuning in for is in the NBA. The Golden State Warriors are back to the top spot in the West as they came to Denver earlier this week. And I think they were like thinking about maybe scoring 200 points on the Nuggets. And then Steve Kerr just called off the Ducks. I know we keep saying it here on the dose. But aside from an injury... I just can't see how anyone is going to beat the Warriors four times. I just don't see it. In one game? Maybe. Four times? Yeah, I don't think so. Tonight, the Los Angeles Clippers will try to, you know, just beat them one time. Sure, this rivalry is not quite as good since Chris Paul left, 
But the Clippers are the seventh seed in the West. They do need to win. And the Warriors seem like they are playing better every single night. It's a solid NBA game tonight. I will take the Warriors. And that game starts at 8.30 tonight. Moving on to Saturday. The Duke Blue Devils got beat on Monday night by Syracuse. So we are most likely going to be looking at a new number one team in the country in college hoops this week. Who could take the top spot? Number of teams in contention. But you know, it actually might be the Michigan Wolverines who have been playing excellent all year. And they are, you might not realize this, 17-0. and Despite the fact they lost quite a bit of talent from last year's team that went all the way to the title game. But if they're going to get that number one ranking, they will have to get past the Wisconsin Badgers in Madison tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Hey, the Badgers will make Michigan work for it because they are one of the toughest teams in the country. Defensively, they are excellent. So Wisconsin versus number two Michigan and could be number one Michigan if they can find a way to win this game. I think Michigan will get it done. I will take Michigan on the road tomorrow morning. At 1.30, we've got an interesting NBA game. Since trading for Jimmy Butler, the Philadelphia 76ers have been going through kind of some growing pains. We know big man Joel Embiid isn't happy with his touches. The defense has been well below average. And the schedule for Philadelphia is about to get much tougher. They have a West Coast trip coming and they're going to be facing almost all playoff teams on that trip. They're actually going to get started a little bit with that tough stretch on Saturday, but the game will be at home. They will be hosting Oklahoma City. Now, the Thunder recently, it looks like they've almost given up playing defense lately, and they're just focusing on outscoring people. Russell Westbrook has been on a tear, but it's been in a little bit different way. He is looking to distribute a little bit more than he has in the past. Oklahoma City is sitting at the three seed in the West, This could be a shootout because I don't think either team is going to play much defense. I'm actually going to go with Oklahoma City on the road to get a win against Philadelphia on Saturday. At 2 p.m., we've got a pretty solid college basketball game in the SEC as number 12 Kentucky goes to number 14 Auburn. Now, the Cats have been improving as they have now won three in a row. I still don't think they're one of the big dogs in the nation, but Kentucky has been getting better. And they're going to be facing... One of the most exciting players in the country. If you haven't seen Auburn's Bryce Brown play yet, I would encourage you to tune into this game. His range is when he walks in the gym. This kid can score points in bunches. He is absolutely fearless. Now, Auburn stumbled last week. They lost to Ole Miss. But they did win back-to-back blowout games of both Georgia and Texas A&M. This game should be a tight game throughout. I will take Auburn at home against Kentucky. But if we are picking the marquee matchup in college basketball this weekend, it's going to be this next one. Because we have number four Virginia going to number one Duke at 4 p.m. on Saturday. And Virginia is catching the Blue Devils a little bit wounded. Which could be a great time for Tony Bennett's squad to kick them in the teeth when they're down. Or maybe we see those young Dukies fight like they have their backs against the wall. Duke's point guard Trey Jones is out indefinitely. Of course, he injured that shoulder on Monday night in their home loss to Syracuse. And that might be too much to overcome because Trey Jones has been playing extremely well this season. The one thing that Duke has really struggled with this season, they haven't knocked down perimeter shots when teams have kept them out of the paint. With the defense that Tony Bennett's squads play, Virginia could do that too. They may force Duke to shoot from outside. That hasn't always gone well for Duke this year. 
I think this is going to take a big time effort from the Duke Blue Devils. I am going to pick the Virginia Cavaliers to win this game on the road. One more NBA game of note on Saturday night as the stumbling Los Angeles Lakers go to Houston to face the Rockets. Now, why in the world would we want to watch the LeBronless Los Angeles Lakers who somehow found a way to lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers earlier this week? Well, I'll tell you, to see how many points Rockets guard James Harden goes for this time. The Rockets are without Clint Capella. They don't have Chris Paul. But instead of whining about having no help and saying, there's no one else here, it's just up to me, James Harden has basically put the franchise on his shoulders. He is averaging 44 points a game over the past 12 games. Can he break 50 again on Saturday? Yeah, he just might. Here's a stat that actually got sent to me from Big Rob yesterday. James Harden has scored 115 points in the last two games. Zero of those points have been assisted. If you're wondering right now who I would vote for right now in the NBA for MVP, yeah, it would be James Harden. Now, I don't know that he can keep up this pace. Oh, but it sure is fun to watch while it's lasting. Want to see what he does against those Lakers on Saturday night. And I will go with the Houston Rockets there. And I will go with James Harden putting up some more big numbers. Hey, if you've got a bunch of money that you aren't sure what to do with it, I guess you could purchase the Showtime pay-per-view fight between the guy that used to be Manny Pacquiao and the other guy that used to be Adrian Broner. They are meeting in Las Vegas on Saturday night. Broner is, you know, doing his typical thing. He's making racial slurs. These two idiots are trying to convince us that it's 2009 and that we somehow would want to see this fight. I don't want to see it. I don't care one bit about this fight. But like I said, maybe you have a hundred bucks or whatever that you were going to blow your nose with. I guess you could watch these two morons punch each other for an hour or so. My pick for this fight, who cares? Because I don't care one bit about that fight, but it will be on pay-per-view on Saturday night. Okay, let's move to Sunday and let's get to the good stuff. Because the NFL championships are going to be taking place on Sunday and Super Bowl 53 is going to be set by Sunday evening. In the first game, at 1 p.m., we have the Los Angeles Rams going to New Orleans to face the top-seeded Saints in the NFC Championship. Of course, the Saints held on to beat Philadelphia on Sunday in the divisional round, while the Rams had to outscore Dallas in L.A. I have a couple things in this game that I am very interested to watch for. One, who wins the coaching battle here? The Saints, Sean Payton, has been here before. He has won the Super Bowl before. This is all brand new territory for Rams young coach Sean McVay. The other thing I want to watch, which team can consistently run the football on Sunday? Hey, both teams have very good run games. The Saints have a two-headed monster in Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. Meanwhile, the Rams have Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson. Both have opportunistic defenses. Remember, The Saints won a shootout back in November against the Rams. But, you know, I've wondered lately if maybe the Saints kind of peaked too soon. They've been stumbling a little bit down the stretch. That offense has not been as sharp for some reason. I don't know that anyone can stop Michael Thomas. That guy seems like he's open every single time. And Drew Brees seems to find him every time. But they're at home. They're favored by three and a half. Uh, This is a tough one. I am going to pick the Los Angeles Rams to cover, 
And yes, I think I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Rams to win this game as well. That is at 1 p.m. on Sunday. Moving on to the AFC Championship, where we find the New England Patriots playing there again. I swear, for what seems like the 50th time in a row, New England sure looked like they had figured out every single thing that had bothered them all season last week against the Los Angeles Chargers. Their pass blocking was better. Their pass rush was extremely dangerous. Tom Brady's smile just had that extra gleam in it. Maybe Brady and Belichick have just been coasting all season. They've just been waiting for this moment. Hey, just get to the playoffs. Once we get to the playoffs, we'll flip that switch and we will be the team that we know we are. Or maybe the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, how do I say, made potty in their pants prior to running out of the tunnel for the opening kick last week. Either way, I mean, it's one of the two, right? The Kansas City Chiefs, meanwhile, have been scoring points on everyone all season. Can they keep that going on Sunday against the genius that is Bill Belichick? Because you know Bill Belichick is scheming. What is he going to take away from the Chiefs? You know with Bill Belichick teams, he goes out there and he says this, you like to do this. We're going to take that away. Now what are you going to do? So do the Chiefs have a counter? Because what I would guess, I'm guessing Bill Belichick is going to try to take away the Chiefs electric receiver, Tyreek Hill. Can Andy Reid come up with a scheme to counter that? Maybe you go to Travis Kelsey more. Maybe you run the football more. I want to see how the Chiefs counter what Bill Belichick decides to take away from their offense. Hey, can the Chiefs break a nearly 50-year curse and get back to the Super Bowl on Sunday? Can the Chiefs' pass rush get to Tom Brady? Will the footballs on Sunday look just a little bit deflated? There are a number of things to watch for here in this AFC Championship is what I'm saying. The Chiefs are favored by three. The over-under is 58 points. I would bet the under on this game, and I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs to win and go to the Super Bowl. Hey, coming back, we need to get to our Daily Dose Top 5. Speaking of those conference championships, we have seen a number of great ones in NFL history, but I'm actually looking for something a little different this week, and it is something we could possibly see this weekend. Now, as we do every Friday, we need to get to our Daily Dose Top 5. On Sunday, we have our final four NFL teams squaring off in those conference championship games. If I were to lob this out to you, if I were to say, name the greatest conference championship games of all time, hey, we could come up with some amazing games. Maybe you'd come up with the Ice Bowl. Maybe you'd say the 60 Minutes game. Maybe you would say the Immaculate Reception. Maybe you would even say the Drive We've had some great ones, but those games all have one thing in common. Points were a little bit hard to come by. No, with these four teams we have on Sunday, I'm looking for something a little bit different today. I am actually looking for championship shootouts. With the teams and the quarterbacks that we have squaring off on Sunday, we've got Tom Brady, we've got Patrick Mahomes, we've got Drew Brees, we've got Jared Goff, and of course, we have the modern era rules. Hey, we have a chance to see some high-scoring classics on Sunday. But what are the best NFL championship shootouts that we have seen? We have five unforgettable ones for you that you might have, well, I guess actually forgotten about. Okay, starting at number five. Five. In 1995, 
the Dallas Cowboys were rolling. They had won back-to-back Super Bowls in 1992 and 93, and now they were hoping to get back because gone was head coach Jimmy Johnson. And instead, we had Barry Switzer. Now, Dallas still had Troy Aikman. They still had Emma Smith. They still had Michael Irvin, and they still had that defense. Dallas had beaten Philadelphia easily in the divisional round, and now they were going to take on a young, feisty quarterback by the name of Brett Favre and the Green Bay Packers in the championship game. The Cowboys and the Packers combined for 65 points in this game, nearly 600 yards, and the Green Bay Packers actually led going into the fourth quarter, but you knew the run was coming. Emmett Smith would score two fourth quarter touchdowns to clinch the win 38-27. The Dallas Cowboys moved on, but Aikman versus Favre proved to be a very good shootout championship game. Of course, Dallas would go on and win their third title in four years that season. Moving on to number four, and we're going to stay in the NFC, but we're going to fast forward 14 years and we're going to discuss a couple of familiar faces. Because in 2009, the Minnesota Vikings had posted a 12-4 record under, guess who? Yeah, former Packers quarterback Brett Favre. The Vikings would be visiting the number one seed, the New Orleans Saints, and some guy named Drew Brees. Of course, now, we remember this game as the Bounty Gate game, as the Saints defensive players were apparently being paid to try to break Favre's legs by defensive coordinator Greg Williams. But we kind of forget that Favre and Breeze combined for 500 yards passing and four touchdowns. The Saints would eventually hold off the Vikings 31-28 in an overtime thriller. So we do remember this game. We just remember it for completely different reasons than for it being a highly entertaining game with lots of offense and lots of scoring. The Saints would go on to win Super Bowl 44 against the Indianapolis Colts just two weeks later. But the NFC Championship game in 2009 between the Saints and the Vikings was a shootout between two very good quarterbacks. Moving on to number three. If you were naming great championship games, we would all probably come up with the drive when John Elway would lead the Denver Broncos to an improbable come-from-behind victory over the Cleveland Browns in that 86 championship game. But just one year later, we had what just might have been a little bit more of an entertaining game from start to finish. Well, it definitely was a bizarre finish, and it definitely had way more points being scored than the year before. The Broncos, of course, had gotten pounded in the Super Bowl by the New York Giants after the drive, but they were back for more in 1987. Denver had gone 10-4-1 in that bizarre strike-shortened season where we had scabs playing and all that. The Browns were 10-5, so this game, instead of being in Cleveland, would be in Denver this time around. Denver jumped on top of the Browns right out of the gate, They were up 28-10 to in the third quarter. But head coach Marty Schottenheimer, quarterback Bernie Kosar, and especially running back Ernest Biner, they wouldn't go away. Biner ran for a touchdown. Bernie threw for another touchdown. And with just over a minute to play, the Browns were going to come back and get some sweet redemption with a drive of their own. Trailing 38-31 to at the Broncos' 8-yard line, Ernest Biner took a handoff from Bernie Kosar He was heading to the end zone. He was going to score. It was going to be tied. And all of the momentum was going to be with the Cleveland Browns. But here is a clip of what happened, courtesy of NBC. Draw to Biner. Ernest Biner. Fumble. Fumble the ball, and Denver has recovered. Oh, my. Yes, the Denver Broncos held on to win 38-33 as John Elway, 
And Bernie Kosar threw for over 600 yards and six touchdowns. The Broncos, of course, would advance to the Super Bowl again. And yes, they would get beat like a drum by Washington that year in Super Bowl 22. But the fumble game in 1987 comes in at number three on our list of best championship game shootouts. Moving on to number two. If you were looking for an offense that could play in today's wide open game with these rules, hey, look no further than the 1998 Minnesota Vikings. And I'm sorry, Vikings fans, I really am. I swear I'm not picking on you. But this offense, it was ahead of its time. In 1998, the Minnesota Vikings went 15-1. and They were outscoring opponents by an average of 35-18. to They had Randall Cunningham at quarterback. They had Robert Smith at running back. And then they had that three-headed monster of Jake Reed, Chris Carter, and a very talented Randy Moss at wide receiver. The Vikings scored 58 touchdowns that season, and everyone thought they would roll all the way to the Super Bowl with home field advantage. But then in the NFC Championship game, they ran into a scrappy Atlanta Falcons team that had some other ideas. But the Vikings were beating the Falcons 27-17 in the fourth quarter. Okay, it was a little bit scarier than we thought, but the Vikings would still get by. But then Atlanta rallied for 10 points late. And with just over two minutes remaining, the Vikings could kick a field goal and put Atlanta on the ropes. They would be on their way to the Super Bowl in Miami. Kicker Gary Anderson had a chippy 38-yarder. He hadn't missed a kick all season. So, of course, he misses this one. The Falcons would go on to beat Minnesota 30-27 to in overtime and go to the Super Bowl instead. On the day, Randall Cunningham and Steve DeBerg combined for over 600 yards and they threw five touchdowns. The 1998 NFC Championship game comes in at number two on our list today. Our number one entry today of our greatest championship game shootouts had a number of things in play. You had two future Hall of Fame quarterbacks. You had two future Hall of Fame coaches. You had over 70 points scored. You had nearly 800 yards of offense. But this game, yeah, it was all about the revenge. Because going into the 2006 AFC Championship game, it was pretty well established that the Indianapolis Colts could not beat the New England Patriots in the playoffs. Head coach Tony Dungy and quarterback Peyton Manning had lost to Brady and Belichick in both 2003 and in 2004 when they absolutely looked like they were probably the better team. 2006 was going to be the exact same thing. And it started off that way. The Patriots jumped on top of the Colts 21-6 at halftime. Hey, the Patriots were going to be going to another Super Bowl and Peyton Manning couldn't win the big one. And then Peyton Manning got hot. The Colts scored 32 second half points. They outscored Tom Brady and the Patriots 38 to 34 in what was an absolutely unforgettable shootout between two excellent quarterbacks. And then Peyton and the Colts would go on to beat the Chicago Bears in the Super Bowl. Hey, on Sunday, we have a chance to see not one, but possibly two amazing NFL championship games. But we also have the chance with these quarterbacks and these offenses and these rules and this era, we could actually also see two amazing high-scoring shootouts. I don't know if it's going to go that way. We'll have to see in a big game if the offenses actually can turn it loose because a lot of times we know the defenses come in a little bit better. 
But we have a chance to see two more shootouts on Sunday, and I am looking forward to both of those games. Hey, it is Friday, and we have made it through another week. I have to say thank you all so much for listening to The Daily Dose every day. Thank you for reaching out to us. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for subscribing to the show wherever it is that you listen. And if you're not subscribed to The Daily Dose, make sure you click that little follow or subscribe button wherever you listen. You'll be sure you won't miss a single episode. I have to say thank you to GSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all on Monday. Have a great weekend.